It's good to be here. It's great to have you joining in with us. And uh, I'll hand over to you as you read uh, from Romans 16 for us. Excellent. Romans chapter 16, beginning at verse 1. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church in Sancria. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people and to give her any help she may need from you. For she has been the benefactor of many people, including me. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets in their house. Greet my dear friend Epinetus, who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles, and they were in Christ before I was. Greet Amphilitus, my dear friend in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our co-worker in Christ, and my dear friend Stachus. Greet Apelles, who fidelities to Christ has stood the test. Greet those who belong to the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my fellow Jew. Greet those in the household of Narcissus who are in the Lord. Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, those women who work hard in the Lord. Greet my dear friend Persis, another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me too. Greet Asicritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Patrobus, Hermes, and the other brothers and sisters with them. Greet Feligulus, Julia, Nereus, and his sister and Olympus, and all the Lord's people who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ send greetings. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have heard. Keep away from them, for such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. Everyone has heard about your obedience, so I rejoice because of you. But I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Timothy, my co-worker, sends his greetings to you, as do Lucius, Jason, and Sosius. I, Tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, whose hospitality I and the whole church here enjoy, sends you his greetings. Erastus, who is the city's director of public works, and our brother Quartus sends you their greetings. Now, to him who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel, the message I proclaim about Jesus Christ, in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writing by the command of the eternal God, so that all the Gentiles might come to the obedience that comes from faith, to the only wise God, be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. It's great to see you. My name is Gavin, and I have the privilege of leading the Glesford Hills Congregation. 
and also the great privilege of bringing you uh, God's Word this morning from Romans chapter 16. Well, after three years and 20-odd sermons, we've reached the end of the book of Romans, and the question is, I guess, what are we going to do with what we have learned? What What is our perspective on life now that we've studied Romans? I'm going to pray right now and ask God to help us to work that out. Our loving Father and Almighty God, we thank you so much for your word to us through Paul in the book of Romans. Father, we thank you for the, all that we have learned uh, in the book of Romans, and we pray and ask that by your Holy Spirit, uh, you do help us uh, to apply this word in our lives so that we might live more Christ-like lives in the way we act and think and speak, and so that we might bring greater glory to you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, I think now more than ever, because of what's happening in the world and all that's happening in the world, it's important to have a right perspective on the world and on our own lives. I feel like this final chapter really helps us to gain perspective on Paul's whole letter and indeed perspective on life in the light of the gospel that Paul preaches about Jesus. Perspective helps us to see the big picture so that we don't get too bogged down in the details, even too anxious about the details. When I go to see my beloved West Tigers who got flogged yesterday play rugby league, I don't like to sit right down on the sideline at the fence. I like to sit in the grandstand and have some perspective on the whole match so I can see everything that's going on. When I'm driving and I get lost, which has happened a few times, I either need a helicopter to pick me up and show me where I am in relation to the rest of the city, or I need a map to gain some perspective on where I'm going. Now, I wonder if you've seen or even taken some perspective photos yourself before. Here's a few that I found from trusty old Google. Here's someone holding the Eiffel Tower. That's a pretty cool one. I like that one. That's uh, clever. I like that one too. Obviously, the man's in the foreground and the people are in the background. And here's a couple you could try yourself at home, eating a massive ice cream or getting dunked by a bucket at the beach. And maybe you have done some of those before. And uh, it's a bit of fun, isn't it? We've done some of those uh, before, having the sunset behind you in your hands and something like that. That's pretty cool. Things like that. Uh, In the final chapter of Romans, we gain perspective. We gain a picture, a snapshot, a bird's eye view of what it's all about, what the letter's all about and what life is all about. And I'm going to get you to do a little exercise today. So you're going to need a pen and paper. I've got a pen uh, and some paper. You need a pen and paper handy or an app on your phone uh, for taking notes. So a little bit later on, I'm going to get, get you to do an exercise and I'll give you some time then to grab a pen and paper if it's not handy right now. Uh, in verse 1, we meet a whole bunch of, well, in, the, in these verses from 1 to 16, uh, we meet a whole bunch of characters who help us to understand what life's all about. And the first is Phoebe. Uh, Phoebe's a Christian. Paul describes her here as a sister. She's a prominent member in the church, Uh, not necessarily an ordained minister in the modern-day sense, but Paul describes her as a servant, uh, and the word servant here means deacon, deaconess. Uh, She's a committed servant and probably has some particular role in the church, and she's been entrusted uh, with the great responsibility of Uh, delivering this letter uh, to Rome. And the church she serves in is in Chentria. Look at the map with me here, down the bottom right-hand side is Chentria, on the other end of a roughly 12-kilometre-long isthmus from Corinth, from where Paul is most likely living at the time and writing his letter. He's probably in Corinth, and 
this is where uh, Phoebe's from, from Chinchurria. Now, verse 2 makes it clear Paul's commissioned Phoebe to take the letter to Rome. Um, in the first century, having unknown brothers and sisters come to your church to stay for a while was not unusual, uh, particularly in a bustling city like Rome, but it still helped as the visitor to have an introductory letter from the mutual friend. This letter to the Romans explains the gospel of Jesus Christ, but it also functions as an introduction to the Roman church for Phoebe, Paul's messenger. He asks in verse 2, they receive her in the Lord, that is, as a sister in Christ. He implores them to give her any help that she needs, mentioning that she has been a great help to Paul. It's a wonderful picture of gospel partnership, both between the churches at Chantria and Corinth and these Greek churches and the church in Rome. From verse 3 to 16, we see many greetings. Paul requests that the church in Rome greet many of his friends. I bet you've done that a hundred times before yourself without even realising it. You're talking to an old friend from a previous job and you say, oh, say g'day to Steve and Mick for me, will you? Or you catch up with an old friend from school. You say, oh, say hi to Belinda and Michelle for me, will you? I miss those two. Paul's desperate to visit Rome, but for various political reasons has been unable to. But he knows a whole bunch of friends and family who've made it to the church in Rome, so he sends his warmest greetings via this letter. As we look at Paul's descriptions of the nine women and 17 men that Paul wants to personally greet, there is a rich gospel partnership, clearly, between Paul and many in the church. The list is an amazing insight into not just the teaching of Paul, but the actual life of the great apostle Paul. And there's two things in particular to notice. Firstly, Paul was not a lone ranger. He was no dark knight from the Batman movies fighting the good fight single-handedly. Paul had help and he had lots of it and he welcomed it and he depended on other brothers and sisters in Christ to do his ministry. In verse 3, we meet Priscilla and Aquila. They are Jewish Christians and married. Dear friends of Paul, spoken of at length in Acts 18, and following. He describes them as his fellow workers in Christ. They ministered with him at length in Corinth and travelled with him to Ephesus where he left them to minister there. He's grateful to them for their ministry to him and with him. Apenetus in verse 5 there is described by Paul as beloved, as are many of the others. He's the first to become a Christian in the Roman province of Asia where Ephesus was kind of the capital. This suggests that he came to Christ through the ministry of Priscilla and Aquila. You see all these brothers and sisters working together in partnership. Andronicus and Junius were Greek Jews from Jerusalem, most likely husband and wife. At some point, they spent time in prison with Paul and he values their partnership in the gospel. He calls them relatives, alluding to the fact that they're Jews just like him. He says that they're outstanding among the apostles, it's not to say that they're apostles themselves, but they're obviously ministering alongside Paul and the other apostles, and their ministry was outstanding. And Plytus, Urbanus, Hermes, verses 8, 9, and 14, Philodulus and Julia, were all common names for slaves. However, at least some of these slaves were freed and associated with people of great standing. For example, Aristobulus in verse 10 was the grandson of Herod the Great and friend of the emperor himself, Claudius. Narcissus, verse 11, was none other than the well-known, rich and powerful freedman who had a great influence on Claudius. The point is, Paul has ministered to and ministered with 
and calls friends with such a varied range of people. They're his friends, they're diverse, they're unified in one cause, spreading of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you can see Paul's affection for them, can't you? They're brothers and sisters whom he loves deeply. He's grown in deep love for them as he's partnered with them in gospel ministry. And as I looked at Paul and I looked at... There's a car going past, very loud. As I looked at Paul and I looked at all these people that he loves and that he's been ministered to and ministered with, it got me thinking, who are the people that mean a lot to me in my Christian walk? Who has ministered to me over the 20-odd years? Who have I ministered alongside? Who have I ministered to? There's been many, many, many people. I think a good exercise for all of us right now uh, would be to make a list of the people that have been instrumental in your life in gospel partnership. Those that God has used to minister to you and those who you've ministered alongside. And we're going to do that now. So I've got my pen and paper ready. I'm ready to go. Uh, Grab yourself a pen and paper now, or you can use your phone app, notes or lists or something on your phone. We're going to take just a short minute now, make a list of people right now who have served with you or to you or alongside or you've served too. Kids, can you do this too? Can you grab some pencils and paper? And you can make a list of people if you're able to uh, write yet. If you're not able to um, spell yet, that's okay. Can you draw a picture of someone that you go to church with? Uh, It could be your family, it could be friends at church, or it could be one of your teachers uh, in kids' church or preschool and creche. So we're going to make a list of people now or draw a picture of people who we minister with and minister to. Ben's going to play a bit of music for a minute while we start our list. And if I end the time before you finish your list, you can finish it later. So thanks, Ben. We'll take a minute now to make our lists together.
few more seconds. Alrighty, well, how'd you go? That was, um, I don't know about you, I've got a, I've started a list there. There's a whole bunch of people missing from that list, I can tell you. That was a really, for me, a precious walk down memory lane and a precious reminder of the way in which God has blessed me so richly uh, in my Christian life when Jesus promises that anyone who gives up their life for him, he will give back a thousand times. Uh, this list of people has just reminded me uh, of that truth, as I've seen all these people administered uh, to me over the years. What a blessing. The person I'm most thankful to that I've ministered, has ministered to me and I've ministered alongside uh, is my wife, Lara. She's been a wonderful blessing to me. 20-odd years ago, we met at a Christian conference and I could barely find my way around the Bible and uh, she helped me find my way around the Bible at that uh, conference where we sat next to each other in every talk, I must confess. Um, Paul's so grateful, isn't he, uh, for those in ministry with him? And that's so clear, isn't it? Uh, and I am too. I'm so thankful for all who have ministered to me and with me in the past and for all of you uh, in the room and on camera uh, who minister to me and with me now. What a great blessing. I posted a photo from uh, 2015, November 2015 of uh, Gregory Hills Anglican Church on the Camden Valley Anglican page, and it looked significantly different uh, to what it does now. So the big thing to note from this letter, friends, the whole letter, the whole book, life is all about partnership in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what we're on about here uh, in this world. That's what we're going to be on about forever, partnership in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now and forever, a Christian life is centred on life together with other Christians. Life's all about partnership in the gospel. And gospel partnership is something that men and women do together. Not just men, not just women. It's illustrated here so clearly and in all of Paul's teaching, as it ought to be, men and women are partnering in the gospel together. I love the ways, the many ways in which Paul treasures and celebrates both men and women serving together. That there may be any sense in which churches today consider full-time ministry to be a man's domain is unbiblical, that there can be any sense in which people think Paul looked down on women in any sense is just unbiblical. Paul celebrated and treasured men and women serving in gospel partnership together. As we've seen here, uh, we've seen Phoebe, Priscilla, Mary in verse 12, Paul mentions Tryphena and Tryphosa and also Persis as hard workers in the Lord. Interestingly, he doesn't actually mention any of the men as hard workers, only the women. Hmm, it's probably not uncommon. He mentions Rufus's mum in verse 13, a woman as close to Paul as if she were his own mum. Nine women in this list of 26 people. For Paul, gospel ministry is about gospel partnership. You can't serve the Lord on your own. You belong to other Christians, one body in Christ. You belong to one another in church. We all belong to one another. We're one body. So loving one another and working together for the benefit of the gospel is the normal, regular thing 
for the body of Christ to do. And it's what our church already does. 400-odd people, not strange, around 400 people, 400-odd people, men and women, boys and girls, gathered in three congregations, all together, living in God's grace as disciples of Jesus and living out God's grace by making more disciples of Jesus. That's what our life is all about. We together are Grace Anglican Churches. And we together are in partnership with the Sydney Anglican Diocese and with every Christian in Sydney and in Australia and in all of the world. One body building itself up as we work together in partnership for the sake of the gospel. Has lockdown made that harder? Yeah, it has. For sure, it's made it harder. Has lockdown made that impossible? Definitely not. We continue to serve as the people of Christ, one body. We just need to work hard like the women Paul was in partnership with, and no doubt the men too. I'm sure the men worked hard as well. We need to work hard and be creative in how we encourage one another and how together we serve to advance the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have to work hard and be creative and thoughtful about how we do gospel partnership together at this time. And we will, and we are. Now, verse 17, Paul makes what seems like a bit of a harsh gear change. Um, I don't know if any of you are teaching your teenage, teenage children how to drive a manual, and uh, perhaps you're a teenager learning how to drive a manual. You'll know what a harsh gear change feels like. Uh, watch out, he says, for those who cause divisions, who put obstacles in your path, such as teaching that's contrary to the gospel of Jesus. Steer clear of them, he says. Those people aren't serving Jesus, just themselves. They use smooth talk and flattery to deceive. What's going to threaten our gospel partnership? Deceivers will. Those who teach a gospel contrary to the one given to us by Paul will. Those who enjoy disunity. Those who create division. Paul wants to see unity, a body that belongs and works together. He wants in Christness for the church. So he says, watch out. Watch out for those who will deceive you. They flatter you. They make you feel good about yourself. All the while they lead you away from the teaching of the Bible. Don't trust them. Be wise about what is good. That is, know God's word. Paul has explained what is good in the past 15 chapters. Chapter 12, verse 2, for example, God's will is good. He's good, pleasing, and perfect will. Be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. Not gullible, not naive. This is not a call to stupid blind faith. It's to stay away from what is evil, to be innocent about them. You cannot be considered guilty for doing evil things. Be innocent about what is evil. Be aware of Satan. Be aware of his deception through people. Steer away from such peeping if, peep, teaching if you need to. Steer away from such people. When you hear division on the mouth of a fellow Christian, walk away, scroll away. If it comes to it, you might have to unfriend those who persist in causing division. Don't get involved in divisions. They cause you to lose perspective on what's important. They cause gospel partnership to fall apart. Stand strong in the truth, friends, knowing that the God of peace will crush Satan under our feet. Crush Satan under our feet. And he says, may the God of grace be with you. Satan is most clearly at work in our world and in our church at this time. This is a golden opportunity for division. How do we resist 
How do we be wise about what is good and innocent? What is good and innocent about what is evil? I think we need to know the gospel and we need to stick together and keep encouraging one another. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, as we hear the Bible taught, as we read it for ourselves each day, we're transformed in mind and heart. We learn more about God and he's pleased to bless us with greater wisdom. That's Colossians. We need to be immersed in God's word and at the same time not unattached from the world. Keep listening to the news as much as you can stomach it without causing you depression. Keep up your relationships with non-Christian friends and family as you know God's word. Lots of people are actually looking for answers at this time. This is a golden opportunity to be there for people with Jesus as the answer to their big questions about life. We've got a rich opportunity now. Satan is at work, but we do have a rich opportunity at the same time to share the gospel. Know what's happening in our world so you can speak the gospel into it. You can discern whether what you hear is good and in line with God's will or evil and to be avoided. Knowing the gospel gives us perspective and clarity on life and God has blessed us with one another to help us to gain that perspective and clarity on life as we learn the gospel together and minister to one another. Paul then sends Romans a final greeting, the Romans a final greeting uh, in verses 21 to 23 from his devout fellow worker, Timothy. What a precious relationship Paul and Timothy have. A natural place to read on to could well be the letters to Timothy. Tertius, who actually wrote this letter as Paul dictated it, gets his signature on the letter. I reckon he did it when Paul wasn't looking. He wrote verse 22. Uh, Gaius, whom Paul was staying with, among other Christians in Corinth, also sends his greetings, as does Erastus and Quartus. It's a wonderful picture of gospel partnership. People coming together in the Lord, supporting each other in Christian ministry. It's a picture of what life is all about. Coming together as Christ has brought us together through his blood, that we might love one another and live for him. Life's all about partnership together in the gracious gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the only thing that truly matters in the end. So it's to this end that Paul concludes his letter to the church in Rome. Paul began with the gospel back in chapter 1, verse 16. He now ends with the gospel in chapter 16, verses 25 to 27. Can I read it again? It's so cool. Now to him who's able to establish you in accordance with my gospel, the message I proclaim about Jesus Christ, in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God, so that all the Gentiles might come to the obedience that comes from faith, to the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. The reason we've been created is that we might know Jesus and have life in him. That we might proclaim the gospel so that all nations might believe and obey him. Knowing the gospel and partnering with Christians in gospel ministry is how we see life from God's perspective, even at and especially at this dark time. Life is not easy right now, but God's perfect plan is still at work and it can never fail. God has blessed us all with so many people across the years of our Christian life and now with a church full of brothers and sisters in Christ to join with. 
to partner with in gospel ministry despite the hardships that we face. Praise God for one another. Praise God for our church. Praise God for Paul who has given us this letter to the Romans filled with, empowered by the Holy Spirit to help us gain a perspective on life. Friends, let's pray. Loving Father and Almighty God, we thank you for your glorious plan for humanity. We thank you that you are saving us, redeeming us, reconciling the world to, through Christ and to Christ. God, help us to band together with our brothers and sisters in Christ in this church, in this region, in gospel partnership, in gospel ministry to those who don't yet know and trust Jesus. God, bless us with the knowledge of the gospel and then opportunities to share it at this time as people desperately look for answers to our hopeless plight in this world. God, we pray that you work mightily to protect us from Satan, to help us to find unity, to work together in gospel partnership. We pray this in Jesus' mighty and glorious name. Amen.